The Ask Theory podcast shines the spotlight on Pinoy scientists from various scientific disciplines. Listen to some of the country's best scientific minds as they explain what they do in simple terms and share fascinating stories of how they got into science, the incredible things they've learned about the world around us, and so much more. Kasi ever since bata ko ang narinig ko lagi yung Clean Air Act. Yan, masyado siyang na, na TV eh. And masyado siyang na, na broadcast yung Clean Air Act. And growing up, parang even without that much of an understanding about the air pollution problem, I always thought na, okay, may pro-environment something ang ating government. But can you tell us a bit about, kahit generally lang, some of the policies that are in place here in the Philippines for air quality management, for improving air quality, and... Uh, your opinion, how you think they've been successful so far? Mm-hmm. How successful they've been? It's a separate study actually eh, when you want to see how the policy has been effective. So for Clean Air Act of the Philippines, so that's in 1999, as reported by the DNR, the total suspended particulates has decreased through time. But of course, yung ibang pollutants, late lang din naman namumonitor. So babalik tayo doon sa kailangan natin ng mas maraming measurements para ma-conclude talaga natin 100%. The air has improved. And take note din na kailangan talaga extensive study siya kasi baka pwedeng dahil nag-iba na rin yung sources. Iba na yung emissions, iba na yung meteorological conditions. Pero what can be said about it though is that It's a good policy in the sense that nandun naman na yung mga kailangan gawin. But the issue, again, is the implementation. So, another aspect is that it was in 1999 pa. Eh, anong year na ngayon? One of the main things that we are really pushing for and working with the DNR is the revision of the emission standards. for. So, this is for industries. Kasi since 1999, hindi pa siya nare-revise. Wow. So, the DNR like, is working naman. That's like over two decades now. Yes. So, in fairness naman, during nung 1999 din, wala pang PM 2.5 guideline values. Pero in 2016, nagkaroon na ng values for PM 2.5. Yung vehicle emission standards has also been revised. Kaya nga from Euro 2, ang na-require na ay Euro 4. So, marami na rin namang nabago through time. Unfortunately, I have to admit that I don't know enough and I don't have all the data para maging 100% akong makasabi ng yes, it has been very successful. Lalo na if we see loopholes in the, in the implementation. Pero at the same time, it has put a very good structure. Ang kailangan na lang natin din i-work on would be the implementation, saka yung mga parts na outdated na. Common na to na narinig ko eh. No? Parang nandiyan na yung framework pero nasa execution na lang talaga, nasa implementation. It kind of tells you something about how the problems here can be solved. Ano? Parang it's like a hint-hint. <laughs> Medyo nandiyan yung kailangan gawin. Kailangan na lang siya talagang gawin. <laughs> Just to add to that, actually, what's promising, though, is how the local governments are stepping up. 
to complement the efforts of the national agencies. So, mas nakikita natin, lalo na in the recent years, mas more cities yung nagpa-participate. They, well, actually, in the Cleaner Act, nakalagay naman talaga doon na may roles ang LGUs. They have to put up their management plans. But now, they're really more proactive. They are even buying their own monitoring equipment. They are doing own studies. They are collaborating with institutions, with academia, so that they can learn more about the issue. Mm. You mentioned about action. The important thing is, nandiyan na yung lahat ng framework and then yung actually doing the steps na going through the putting in the work. And I don't really subscribe to the idea na yung dapat on an individual level yung the burden of the responsibility yung ah kasi yung parang yung typical argument ng you know, ng recycling. I mean, I'm all for recycling for example. Pero just to ano lang parang illustrate lang. Pero to to say na responsibilidad ng consumer lamang na mag-recycle that kind of ignores, like blatantly ignores the significant role that other players have. No? From the manufacturers to the you know, legislation, uh, legislators, that everyone else plays a role in solving the plastic problem, for example. Pero, hin- pero yung instead yung focus ay, ah, wag mo itapon yan, i-recycle mo yan. So parang nagiging, nasisisi pa yung consumer. So th- this question is not meant to do something like that. But I'm curious. Ano-ano ba yung mga, like alam natin yung, pag, yung emissions ng sasakyan, alam natin yan. Pero ano-ano ba yung mga seemingly normal everyday actions natin na actually nakaka-contribute sa air pollution problem dito sa Pilipinas? Yes, actually it's good that you brought up that idea nga ng in a lot of cases rin kasi parang napupunta lang yung burden sa mga tao. And we also Usually rin in media, we push this notion that ito, if you do this, you're doing your part and all. And medyo, it's not bad. It's really good kasi it can go both ways. It can push nga individual responsibility. Pero um, medyo tricky is the person can also feel burned out. Kasi parang nasa kanyang burden. Tapos syempre, you can only do so much. Pero... If mag-guide in the right direction, na you use that concern nga to push for changes na systematic. And that means really talking to your officials, your city officials, writing letters, expressing to push for a certain policy, for certain policies. Maganda siyang way. So in the context of air pollution, yun, ito na, dito na papasok nga. Thank you ulit kasi... Napakalawak niya kasi. Tapos minsan pa, and in most cases, it has no political boundaries kasi. Halimbawa, if you have a river, so kunwari, polluted yung river, the responsible doon, lahat ng mga may sakop sa kanya na parte ng river, kahit na mag-cross pa siya ng different cities, pasok yon Pero kapag air, walang ganun. Minsan nga kahit, Sobrang ganda nung wala kayong masyadong emission sources pero yung country na katabi mo napupunta yung hangin sa inyo. May factor siyang ganun. So again, hindi lang siya burden ng person. Babalik tayo dun sa sinasabi natin na depende sa, sa sitwasyon. So if yung example natin na napupunta dun yung sa kabilang country na pupunta sa amin tapos sakto pa yung meteorological conditions papunta dito yung hangin dito pumapasok yung mga international agreements 
national efforts, capacity building ng different countries. Paano naman kapag at the city level, as you mentioned, anong mga pwede kong gawin? So definitely you have to be, the simplest answer will be, you have to be a very responsible car owner. Kasi kailangan talaga properly maintained. But at the same time, and I strongly, my personal opinion na as, in, as a commuter kasi, <laughs> ito yung gigil na gigil din ako ng hirap-hirap mag-commute. I mean, you're, it's not as safe. Tapos inhale mo pa yung air pollution, ganyan. Pero, which I think would have been solved if the emission testing was really strict. Yeah. Na hindi yung mga, you know, may mga non-appearance pa kasi before. Or maybe until now, we don't know. Tapos, <laughs> di ba, parang yung mga, unfortunately kasi yung mga ibang tao doing their part. Pag nakikita na nila ng kahit namang gawin ko to, eh yung iba walang ginagawa, parehas lang. <laughs> so yun, factor yun, consistency is key. But, we also have to put into context, well in NCR kasi, almost 90% of emissions come from vehicle emissions. So if we really want to address air pollution in Metro Manila, malaking focus dapat doon would be on the vehicles. Make sure talaga na hindi lumalagpas sa emissions yung sa levels ng pollutants yung emissions. Pero halimbawa, so like for example, we also have a project in Bataan. So in Bataan kasi very unique siya kasi ang daming industries, ang daming mga planta. So in specific places, lalo na kung nasaan yung mga planta, mataas yung contribution ng industries. So dito rin papasok ulit yung dapat they are held accountable for that. They have to really ensure na mababa yung emissions, controlled yung emissions coming from their facilities. So it's very, very difficult kasi nga halo-halo talaga yung air. But at the local level or at the personal level, you can, of course, make sure that the vehicles are not emitting higher levels than usual, than what should be intended. Avoid burning completely, you know, agricultural burning at saka household burning. Actually, illegal yun. Halagay naman sa Cleaner Act, bawal lang magsunog ng basura. Yung pagsisiga actually prohibited din by most LGUs, almost all LGUs din naman. Tapos, yun kasi yung mga main sources na and then malaking chunk rin, industries in areas na maraming industrial emissions. Yun yung main actually. I, I cannot think of other things so much na more than those key things talaga. Burning, vehicle emissions, and then industry emissions. Uh, yeah. And I like how na-highlight din yung importance of simply being responsible. Like we said, hindi naman natin mean na burden ng consumer or burden ng ordinaryong tao. Pero yung, if you see other people like bending the rules for their own convenience, don't assume that it's okay. <laughs> Magkaroon tayo ng ano, na let's do the right thing. Yun. Yes. And yun nga, don't forget that we hold also the government, remind them of their roles. Kasi kahit na, unfortunately kasi, hindi natin mafo-force yung mga tao to be just responsible. It's, it's a reality that I've accepted na kailangan talaga ng structure. What would make it easier for me to do the change? So, even in this transcends not only for air pollution. Na-mention mo kanina, recycling. Eh, wala namang MRF malapit dito. 
anong pwede kong gawin. At the same time, kung alam ko na talagang bawal magtapon in this particular place, na I'm really gonna be fine, I'm gonna be in trouble, it shapes my behavior. So, malaking factor yung government making mechanisms para sumunod yung mga tao. Naalala ko tuloy, nabanggit mo yung MRF and, and recycling. Naalala ko tuloy na, I think, as, as, as recent as uh, before COVID, I think some malls had yung projects na parang dalin mo tong mga bagay na pwede mo i-recycle every first Friday or first Saturday and we'll buy them from you. So napaisip tuloy ako, maybe I should look into how those projects were executed and kung gano'n sila kasuccessful ano yung turnout nila. That would be like an interesting thing to to look into, no? And at the same time, naisip ko tuloy na sana umabot tayo sa point na hindi kailangan yung private sector ang laging nag, nagbubuhat. And I'm not saying na walang ginagawa ang ang government. Uh, meron. Meron naman. As as your collaborations with them prove. Pero yung these initiatives, it would be great to have stronger government support. And then sabi mo nga to hold them accountable. To, to remind them na ano, to to sort of like keep them on their toes. Parang ganun. Keep them awake. Interesting nga eh. Kasi actually... Maraming mga private initiatives din naman na, eto rin, we, we always push for this na, kasi marami rin kaming mga private sectors na na funders ng projects. We had UPS, 3M, and just, mm. just, just to name a few in the Philippine context, no? Ang karamihan kasi ng mga companies, meron ding mga CSO, corporate social, uh, CSR, sorry. Yes, yes. Corporate oh, social responsibility. responsibility. Kaya lang minsan masyado pang focus lang sa tree planting. <laughs> oh. uh, that's not bad. Okay, that's not yeah, bad. Oh. Natawa lang ako kasi ang common nga niya. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So, encourage namin sila ng another way to look at it is, kunwari kung sa air pollution, kumbaga marami pang ibang problema na pwedeng systematic kasi yung lagi naming pinupush din, yung mga cities, magkaroon sila ng clean air and climate change, integrated clean air and ac- climate change action plan. Kasi pag meron ganun yung, pag meron ng actual document, mas napuput into action. Kasi meron kang binabalikan na document kung ano yung kailangan gawin. So, yun yung mga nakikita namin na pwede kasing yung private sector, mas marami kasing resources, we have to admit. Kulang talaga yung mga, re- or, or I don't know, of course, there can be so many discussions kung saan napupunta ng resources. Yeah. <laughs> Malaking factor yung private sector. Tapos, maganda kapag diretso nang nagpa-partner rin with LGUs. Ang mga LGUs, mas open sila. Ang pag-national agencies kasi medyo mas marami yatang bureaucratic processes kasi hindi sila pwedeng basta kasi mag-receive eh ng money donations. Kaya dapat siya laging project collaborations. Sa mga LGU, medyo mas ma- mas madali. Since lalo na mas, mas maliit na scale but it's something na malaki rin yung role ng private sector. It's really a partnership. I mean, most of our successful projects kasi nag-collaborate yung national government, local government, private sector, academia, saka yung mga residents mismo. Lagi siyang collaborative effort. Aha. Lagang tulong-tulong. And you've actually mentioned quite a few of your collaborative projects now with government agencies, but are there like a few more projects that you'd like to share with our listeners? 
Ah, of course. So to give context, Ren, what do we do when we partner with local governments? We can help them set up their air quality monitoring network. So perfect example would be in Quezon City. Right now, they have eight monitoring equipment. And so this is in partnership also with C40. So C40 supported meaning that the project with Cleaner Asia implementing it. And then merong from the Clean Air Fund, tapos merong mga eight sensors deployed in Quezon City. It can provide air quality data, real time, tapos kinorect na din yung data kasi these are sensors. So kinorect na rin siya with a reference instrument. Tapos, the city would actually continue the efforts. So even tapos na yung project, they also now in the process of procuring more instruments. I think magdadagdag pa sila ng sampu. Tapos may reference instruments din. So that's one example. Meron din na ginagawa natin emissions inventory. So when you say inventory, like, you know, if you're in a store, di ba, kompleto listahan of all the things. It's the same. Pero what we're doing is, ano ba yung lahat ng emission sources sa city na ito? Kung industries, lilista natin all different kinds of industries and how much they emit depending on how much fuel they use, how much products they produce. Kapag area sources, gano'n ba karami yung nag-burning? Gano'n ba karami yung nasusunog na mga agricultural areas? Kapag naman vehicles, ilang sasakyan ba yung on average dumadaan sa kalye na to? So lahat yun kinakalculate para ma-identify ano yung kailangan nating i-prioritize. Kasi yun din yung thing, air pollution is a very big problem. And we have to prioritize. And you can only determine what to prioritize if you have the numbers, if you have an idea na, okay, ito pala, dapat ito yung unahin kasi ito yung priority. Dahil ito yung may pinakamataas na level na contribute In relation to air pollution, very important and of course would be health impact assessment. Ano bang epekto nito sa kalusugan given na ito yung quality of air in this particular area? One of my favorite, uh, favorite talaga, kasi we, we've, we've worked for it for two years and then it's health impacts kasi is really what I want to pursue and this is my personal interest then more on the health impacts. So in Bataan, we're working with the provincial government and we're really, we're actually very proud then of what they're doing kasi even before we partnered with them, bumili na sila ng sarili nilang instruments. Yeah, and so it's really something that we were surprised to know. And then, ang ginawa namin would be, it's a very comprehensive study, nag-emissions inventory, tinignan namin kung ano yung contribution ng bawat sector in two provinces. So that's Lima and Mariveles. Tapos, we did a dispersion model. So yung dispersion model, ipapasok natin yung mga sources of emissions, papasok natin yung meteorological conditions, and it can tell us how will the pollutants move in a certain area. Ito yung okay na ginagawa, kasi syempre, if once uh, pollutants are in the atmosphere, it can go in different directions, pero if you have the model, you will have the most likely direction where it will go, gano'ng katagal, ano yung concentration, at the specific location. Tapos, ginawa din natin doon, dinetermine natin yung health benefits actually. So, given na ito yung air quality sa area mo because ito yung sources mo ng pollution, 
what if i-reduce natin by 50% yung sources? Ano mangyayari sa air quality? So, the model estimated that. Tapos, syempre, pag nirollback mo yung sources mo ng emissions, magro-rollback din yung concentration of pollution. And then, we used another software, so yung Benmap, para ma-quantify naman ano yung health benefit pag binabaan natin yung level of pollution. When we say health benefit, ka-quantify niya, gano'ng karaming cases. So, in, in the case of Bataan, we looked at acute respiratory infection cases. Gano'ng karaming cases yung bababa kapag nag-improve yung air quality. So, para siyang stepwise assessment and it's towards informing the decision makers. Kasi halimbawa, pag nareport lang natin, ah, ito yung level ng pollution. Kulang kasi yung story. So, usually, para mas effective siya sa decision makers, kailangan mo nang ilatag na, okay, ito po yung level ng emissions ngayon at ito yung epekto niya sa kalidad ng hangin. Pero kapag binabaan natin yun, ito yung benefit. And with that, mas madaling ma-visualize. Ah, okay, kaya ko pala gagawin to kasi ito yung benefit. And in that particular study pa, the same software can even estimate kung ano yung economic benefit. So for example, I don't have the exact numbers with me now and masyadong mahaba yung discussion on the actual project. Pero... For example, in a particular place, if let's say bumaba by 1,000 cases ng acute respiratory infection, meron kasing kaakibat na costs ang pagkakasakit. So meron na ding studies niyan ng halimbawa for acute respiratory infection, let's say it's around 1,500 pesos and in worst case scenario, hanggang 11,000 pesos. So dahil meron kang 1,000 cases na nabawas ng pagkakasakit, mumultiply mo siya dun sa unit cost niya ng pagkakasakit. So, kung meron kang 1,000 cases times 11,000, lahat ng pera na yun, natipid mo siya. So, yun yung tinatawag natin na economic benefit na minawasan mo yung sources mo ng pollution, nag-improve yung hangin, nabawasan yung pagkakasakit, nakatipid ka kasi hindi ka gumastos dahil naiwasan mo yung mga cases ng pagkakasakit. And then, All of those are presented nga sa, sa government. So in this case, for Limay and Mariveles, nakasegregate pa yon ng galing ba sa industries, galing ba sa mga sasakyan, galing ba sa mga pagsusunog. So that's one. So yun yung kinuwento ko siya kasi usually yung mga tao rin parang laging minsan may disconnect na pagdating sa, okay, so ito yung level ng pollution. Mataas, mababa, polluted, hindi polluted. Pero marami kasing pwedeng gawin na pag-aaral na diretso towards action. Sorry, medyo marami pa yung sa mga ibang projects. Pero yun yung for me, I think, kasi medyo buo yung very comprehensive yung story na natapos na yung study. And I think in the next few weeks, marirelease namin yung full na infographics on how the study went. But for, for other LGUs, mga iba naman namin na work yung air quality communication plan para mas alam kung paano ipapaliwanag sa mga constituents. And then, yung iba naman, nakafocus mismo nga dun sa paggawa ng clean air action plan. Like sa Santa Rosa, sa Inbagit, that's the plan, sa Latrinidad rin. And then, Ilo-Ilo, nauna na sila, at saka ang CDO. 
meron na silang cleaner action plan, ang City of Manila rin. So, marami. Very promising kasi LGUs are really working their best rin. And of course, this is also with support of the DNR-EMB. And mas marami na kasing nagtitake ng action. Nakikita na natin yung parts where kung ito yung kulang, pupunan natin. Kung kulang dito sa aspect na to, then we can tap other people or groups to help. Sorry. Yes, the dogs are... <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I'm actually really thrilled to hear na you're working with local government to really gradually fix yung mga bagay in the system na kailangan nating ayusin in terms of air quality management. And I look forward to seeing that infographic kasi ako medyo inter- I mean hindi medyo I mean interested din talaga ako na malaman kung as para sa akin this is this is all very ang ganda niya na may data ka and you're able to look at the patterns and you're able to make recommendations no na everyone can benefit from in in a certain area and linya the, the problem of air pollution is so complex and with so many interlocking pieces na kahit nga yung mismong territorial boundaries nga, di ba, hindi nga siya nag apply in the same way that we would uh, say on land or in the water. And so, you know, these these studies are really, para sa akin, they're really eye-opening and they're very educational. And I'm sure that many of our listeners feel the same way. So if they wanted to reach out to you, talk to you, learn a bit more about the work that you do or what they can do in their own communities, in their own areas, what are the best ways to reach out to you? Uh, yes, so through email, parin, the best way. So my email address is everlene.tamayo at cleanairasia.org. So that's my work email. And then meron din ako ng isa pang email, itamayo at iesm.upd.edu.ph. And... Actually, if people also go to the Cleaner Asia website, we also have all our contact details there. And the team actually answers queries naman. We actually are also even continuously looking for interns. We are also we have several postings ngayon for senior researchers, for technical researchers. Kasi a lot of people are not that aware that even... Being in science, you can work in this kind of field wherein development works, but at the same time, science-based. So this is one field that I hope mas marami pang tao maka-experience because it was definitely, it is a learning experience for me, lalo na iba yung lens talaga kapag feeling mo science numbers, tapos ito pala yung real world. <laughs> Oo. Now, speaking of the real world, what's your advice for aspiring Pinoy scientists, no? As someone who has worked in the, in the so-called real world, nga, especially if they want to become scientists and practice their craft here in the Philippines, what what have you learned that you can share with them? Yeah, especially I think no for the young ones. And I used to teach them because even senior high, it's always nice because eh, excited talaga sila. You see yourself na uinung ganon din sobrang excited din. So I guess it's simple na. You have to stay curious. Parang what keeps you interested and what makes you curious, hold on to that. Kasi you use the science to answer that curiosity. Tapos, 
kahit up to now, you know, it can get tiring and frustrating even. Pero babalik dun sa ano ba yung tanong na gusto kong masagot? And then we work towards that. So it's always then very helpful to always ask, para saan ba to? Or para kanina in that sense. Kasi it's very helpful to know that your work is not just for the sake of work, but because it can be used by other people, it can be of benefit to other people. So always try to, pag feeling nyo you're losing hope or nakakapagod, parang <laughs> always ask that question, hmm, teka, I got excited eh. Once upon a time, I got excited about this. Ano nga ba yung gusto kong malaman na sagot? Tapos, para saan nga ba to? Sino nga ba yung magbe-benefit dito? This is a learning that I have happily experience na syempre when you're a student you are so stressed with okay I have to defend this I have to explain this to my prof I have to explain nicely ayokong mapahiya ganyan pero in the real world it's so much it's a super nice feeling kapag alam mong inexplain mo tapos naintindihan nung stakeholder so for me my personal favorites would be nung pinapaliwarag namin sa taga barangay napaliwanag namin dun sa mga madre, malapit sa ilo-ilo, yung mga ganun. Kasi alam mo na pinapakinggan ka nila, hindi para itest ka kung magaling ka. Pinapakinggan ka nila kasi gusto nilang maintindihan. Or ang um, important din, please do not lose hope if the people you're talking to are not as interested. Kasi hindi talaga yun all the time, 100% na interesado yung mga tao sa sinasabi mo. <laughs> you have to accept that early. Kasi it, well, one, it should motivate you na if you really feel that it's significant kasi you're working on it, you have to improve how you communicate. And then at the same time, and this is what I learned teaching in LaSalle. So I first taught in UP, pero this kind of thinking I learned in LaSalle you have to always think about the least, the last, and the lost. Kasi sila yung mas may kailangan with what you can offer as well. So I always try to remind myself all that to be grounded. And then I think for people naman, for for scientists who are already scientists, who are already in the process, mostly students, kasi yun nga, it's so easy to be engrossed with the idea ng I have the science, I am the science, I can answer all questions, ganyan. Pero... We always have to remember we're not the only solution. We are just part of the solution. We really have to treat the stakeholders as equals. As you mentioned kanina, Mikael, no? parang kailangan nating i-accept na it's always a two-way discussion. It's a dialogue. Hindi tayo nag-lecture lang. Dialogue siya, papakinggan natin. And we work together on the solutions. We actually call this the transdisciplinary approach. Parang sanay tayo kung marami, edi multidisciplinary, collaborate tayo. Interdisciplinary, mas ini-integrate na natin yung, yung science behind it. Pero pag transdisciplinary, lahat ng stakeholders kasama sa solutions. Hindi natin dapat iniisip na parang, ah, scientist ako, ako yung importante dito, I have the data. Kasi nga, kahit na may data, kung hindi naman naiintindihan, kung hindi naman iniintindi or hindi papahalagahan, 
it would be very difficult to achieve or at least a portion of the solutions or the action would be very hard to implement. So yun, more of, again, inclusivity, thinking that you're just part of a big system that will always keep us grounded. And then at the same time, keep curious. Tapos, it's okay even if hindi siya ideal all the time. Wow. Yun. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Ang dami. Really, <laughs> really inspiring, no? And I'm sure na all of that came from, essentially, all of that came from your own experiences. Mm-hmm. And I love how you were able to parang like, ang ganda. Ang ganda nung, ano, everything, everything that from from being curious to how we should communicate science and how it sh- how we should be doing it. So, yeah, I I am really grateful that you were able to make time to sit down with us and talk with us here on the podcast. And I hope that we can have you here again on the show at some point to maybe talk about diba, some of the things that we didn't cover. Yeah, sorry. Madaldal talaga ako as a teacher. Charot. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I used to teach Nyasi before. So feeling ko naipon na yung mga gusto kong ishare and all. But yes, you're correct in the sense that it's stemming mainly from what I've learned so far from the things that I thought were the answer, pero nafo-frustrate ako. Pero yun pala nga kasi, yun nga, these are things na, it's not always gonna be ideal. Working in the science, especially in the environment field, is very challenging. Pero, again, babalik lang ulit sa perspective. I mean, I don't see myself as solving air pollution. Because that's impossible for one single person. Pero, I am happy in the fact that taking part even just a small part, that's already very important and significant then. I would like to think. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. So, yeah, as long as, you you know, we hold on to that belief. Walang unrealistic belief na I'm out there to change the world. Pero, as long as we're fueled by the belief that I can do something, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's more than enough. As long as we stick to that. Mm-hmm. And also, you have to find people then that will allow oh, yeah. you to flourish, you know, that you will learn from. And sometimes they're not always, I mean, it can be difficult people, but just always look at what you can learn from them. So yeah, I'm very thankful then a lot of people, all people that have been in my academic journey, development work, personal life even, they all played a role. So more than just being you know, a, a scientist, quote-unquote scientist. We're normal beings. So, and then, let's not be too much pressure then. Because we just do, we try to do our part. No matter how small, kaya naman yan. Right. So, again, thank you so much for your time and your expertise. And I look forward to seeing those results. I look forward to reading more from you. And I look forward to a future where the air quality of the Philippines a significantly improved, not just for us, but for future generations. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Mikael. That's why I enjoyed talking to you. And I'm very, very much honored to be part of this. Thank you so much. And we are equally honored to have you here to talk about this very important topic. So take care, stay safe, and keep in touch. Thank you. Ngat. Thank you for listening to this episode of Ask Theory. Follow Flip Science on Facebook, at FlipSciencePH on Twitter, and at FlipFacts on Instagram. And check out our official Shopee store if you want to get copies of our books, Historiang Scientifico and Science Scramble. Stay curious!